Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellas Podcast. My name is Carlos. And my name is Ozzy. In this episode, we will be reviewing The Wall and King Arthur Legend of the Sword. And we will be discussing The Walking Dead now that I'm fully caught up. Enjoy the show. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Ozzy, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How you doing, bro? I am doing all right. Um, we're in the mi- I'm in the middle of a very um, stressful and uh, just work-heavy week, so it- it's a little annoying and overwhelming, but it- it'll be all right. <laughs> I-, I I guess it's kind of balancing out from last week when I kind of just relaxed and watched a lot of movies and TV, and now I don't have time for any of that. So, um, I barely have time for TV. I'm already kind of behind, and we're only like one day into the week. But that's all right. Um, And funny enough, I say that I'm the busy one and all that, but I'm the only one who saw the movies. This are two of the three movies that came out this week. Um, We both saw, what was it, Snatched, right? And we reviewed that on our previous episode. But now, we have The Wall and... um, king arthur that i'm reviewing myself so it's gonna be interesting it'll be a me heavy episode so if you hate me then i guess sorry and if you hate me then you're gonna love this episode so (laughs) Um, stay tuned but yeah i'm sure that we'll get our fair share of you once we start talking walking dead considering it's like is it your favorite show period Uh, or is there game uh, of thrones or is there another show that are you going to say Superstore? <laughs> I love Superstore. I love Superstore because it relates. Yeah. But um, I'm going to say my favorite is The Walking Dead. Okay. All right. But so. I will say the best show is Game of Thrones. Fair enough. Fair favorite enough. show is The Walking Dead. Fair enough. Um, Yeah, so we'll definitely get some of your opinions when we start talking Walking Dead. But for now... We're going to talk these movies, and I know you're jealous about The Wall, correct? You'd wanted to see uh, this, right? I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed <laughs> about The Wall. <laughs> um, yeah, so was it just a matter of, was it not playing in the theaters down there, or is it just you didn't have time to see it? It, I, it was. It's just I didn't have time to see it. And it, and mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, I usually go to Regal, and this one was playing in Cinemark, so it was also the, and the Cinemark that is probably is, is a little bit farther than the, Mm-hmm. in the regal so i just i couldn't find the timing to go yeah see um, it i actually went to go see this with bob he was in town um he had come back into town for a day or two and i was he was like hey i'm bored you want to go do something and i was like okay so we went to go see the wall um <laughs> which i really didn't know anything about i think i maybe saw one trailer maybe i, I probably saw a trailer but i didn't know i literally knew nothing about what this movie was um and that was probably a good thing. All I knew was is that John Cena was in it, and I had been hearing that Doug Lyman directed it. So I was just like, okay, I mean, we're going to see... I mean, I was basically describing it as the John Cena movie. Funny thing is, um, if I were to rename this movie, you want to know what it would be? What? Aaron Taylor Johnson is good at acting the movie. I told you he was good at acting. What the hell? I'm not. I never said he was bad at acting. I just... 
personally, we disagree on who gave the better performance in Nocturnal Animals last year. But um, Aaron Taylor Johnson killed it in this movie. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um, probably will be a forgotten performance by the end of the year. But um, it's man, he was really good, and he's definitely the star of this movie, and the he he shines in this movie. Um, and that's, I, well, of course I'm getting right into the positives already. So that's what I'm going to start. Um, the performance is all around. There's basically two, I mean, it's just, it's basically, if you don't know what this movie is about, which I mean, it was a good experience going in and not knowing anything about it basically. But the basic premise is that two soldiers get pinned down, um, behind this wall by an enemy sniper, basically, I believe 2000. 10 is when it takes place i can't remember exactly the year um so basically that's the premise and it's it is a very simple premise obviously but it's fascinating and it's basically relies on those two performances um as well as a third kind of performance that i'm not going to get into too much because i don't want to spoil anything um but man, the performance of John Cena kind of surprised me in this movie. He obviously, he's not given much to do. I think we've finally gotten to a place with some of these kind of uh, wrestling stars or, I mean, MMA guys, all these different athletes, basically, who decide they want to act. I think we've gotten to a place where we know what we need to do with these kind of actors. We need to limit what they're, are, they're given to do. Don't give them too much that... Just don't give them things that they can't handle. Ease them into acting. And I think The Rock has kind of paved that way that he's kind of shown this is how you do it. You take, um, you slowly start to build yourself, make yourself better. And I think um, even guys like, or things like how James Gunn deals with Dave Bautista and things like that. I, I think we're starting to get to that place with these actors. And John Cena really, I mean, have you seen him in any movies, Ozzy? I've seen him in that one, like, 12 rounds or something like that. I don't think I've seen that. Um, but It was years ago, like, okay. where they kidnapped okay. his girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Um, years ago. Yeah, see, this, it's funny because he's definitely, he's technically, I mean, there's three performances in the movie, like I said. So, he's technically a lead in this movie. But he's definitely given much less to do than Aaron Taylor Johnson. And so... In a way, he's a supporting character, and I think that's the way to go. You give these guys supporting roles, and you see that even in Trainwreck, which I thought he was one of the best parts of Trainwreck, to bring up an Amy Schumer movie again. That's the second time Trainwreck's been mentioned in the last two episodes, um, understandably, because we had Amy Schumer and John Cena. Um, but yeah, he was one of the best parts of that movie, and he's very good in this movie as well. He kind of surprised me in this movie. Um, so overall, performances-wise, it's hard to knock this movie unless you really want to be picky on John Cena's performance, which if you want to, then go ahead. But I thought he was actually pretty quite good. Um, moving on to some of the other stuff we have. What, what else do we have here? We This movie is very well-paced. Is that, that's what I'll say. I, I didn't... It gets into it very quickly. And I love the dialogue in this movie. It keeps it to it keeps it where you're not ever bored watching the movie, even at slow points. And there are some slow points in this movie, um, just due to the nature of the story. Honestly, I mean, two guys being pinned down. It's almost you're gonna have slow moments in that story, um, where they're just kind of sitting there thinking about what to do, things like that. Um, 
And I think the dialogue carries it through for the most part. Now, it's not always the case. I mean, there's definitely some moments where it really, really slows down. But for the most part, I really like the dialogue in this movie, and I didn't mind the pacing in this movie at all. Um, So that's definitely another strength. Um, A lot of action, a lot of kind of mental games being played in this movie with the enemy sniper and these guys, and that was kind of really cool to see. Um... And they did a cool thing where they kind of really slowly revealed more and more things about um, these characters and about their histories and about why they're doing the things they're doing, why they're in the military in the first place, all these different things. They start to peel back the layer, the layers of these characters, and it's very fascinating. And I really like, again, I really like how this movie is written. Um, that's what I'll say about that. Um, and... Yeah, action-wise, it's pretty great, and all that kind of stuff. So, those are definitely my positives. As for my negatives, I've already kind of talked about the pacing. It definitely has some slow patches, um, but I think the dialogue does carry it through for the most part. Um, my, This is going to be hard. This movie is very hard to talk about without spoiling. Very hard to talk about without spoiling. And I think if you see it, you'll completely understand why I'm so backed into a corner, um, no pun intended with the plot of this movie, um, backed into the corner with what I can talk about and what I can't say. All I will say, this movie is very, very depressing. Um, if you can't, like, if you're, like, in a bad place in your life, do not see this movie, because this is not going to put you in any bad, or any better of a place. It's a very, um, ultimately sad movie and a lot of that has to do with kind of the layers that they pull back in the characters and then some other stuff that I'm not going to spoil it's just it's a very um it's a rough watch at times and it's also kind of ballsy and that's the thing I I think some people are going to walk out of this movie going wow that was really impressive that they were that ballsy with this movie and then some people are gonna say no and just not like the way the movie goes and I completely understand that. Um, so it, it's it's difficult. And oh man, I see Bob was talking about how long until we get controversies about this movie and things like that. And I haven't really seen much, but I think that speaks to not many people seeing this movie, unfortunately, because ultimately I do think that this is a good movie. I really do. Um, surprisingly good movie. I was not expecting to like this movie as much as I did. And I ended up having this movie at a 7.4. This is a good, good movie. See this movie. Um, It was, honestly, for a while watching the movie, I was like, man, this is a great movie. Um, And then some of the pacing issues started to pop up and um, some few other things. Man, this is a... uh, Man, I really wish you'd seen this movie so we could talk about it full spoilers, honestly, because, man, we need to. But... Yeah, so I would definitely recommend this movie it, if you are okay being with a not-so-happy movie. <laughs> Again, I don't want anybody to go into this and be like, man, I need to, like, do something horrible. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, a, it's a rough watch if you aren't, so if you don't enjoy that, beware. Um, yeah, Ozzy, are you, are you going to try to check this movie out? I'm going to try, man. If I I can find time to go, I'll I'll definitely try. Dude, I really, I really want to talk to somebody about it. Um, So, yeah, definitely try to check it out. Um, All right. Well, I guess I should probably move on. This is weird because I'm like, I guess I should move on. I'm not like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, I guess I should probably move on 
to King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Ozzy, I'm... Do you know... Okay, honestly, I'm not... I've already got my rating locked into my head, I swear. Do you know what the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie is? Because I honestly have no idea. I think it's like a 27%. Okay. That's interesting because um, uh, I let me, let me I'm 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 going to double check but I'm pretty sure it's really low. Yeah, it's pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty low as well. Um one thing I do know about this movie is I believe it made like 14 million or something like that. Yeah, 26%. Yeah, this movie bombed in the box office um this past week and it is that's interesting because I honestly and based on that Rotten Tomatoes score and the numbers, this movie is not that bad. Honestly, I actually kind of ended up liking this movie, which I was not expecting to, because if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know when we talked about, uh, when we recapped Comic-Con, I believe, so that almost a year ago at this point, when we recapped Comic-Con, this was one of the trailers that came out of Comic-Con, and I remember us talking about, this is one of the last things we talked about, and we both were like... I don't know, it doesn't look that good. It was actually one of the weakest and most poorly received things at Comic-Con, so that's interesting. And they didn't really recover from that, it seems like, because they did not make anything. This movie had, like, a $147 million budget. They The studio lost, like, a lot of money. That's horrible. Um, sorry if you don't care about box office numbers, but it is really interesting, and a lot of people are gonna be fired for this most likely and um it'll be it's gonna be something that marketing people are looking and trying to dissect where where this movie went wrong with with its marketing because that's a lot of money to lose i mean they made i'm telling you they made like 14 million dollars this past weekend they made 15 i think i believe they made 15.4 million yeah i don't know what their budget was it was like 140 something it it was high dude um it's 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 fascinating i don't know it's crazy but guardians guardians beat it opening weekend and snatched made more money yeah that's crazy dude this is like this was supposed to be some big budget thing um it was set up to be a franchise type thing and honestly i would be all for a franchise of this thing um but that's never gonna happen now which kind of sucks uh, but all right let me get into the actual movie here i've already kind of said that i ended up kind of liking this movie um, this is one of those situations where, and I say this every once in a while, this is one of those situations where I ended up really, really liking this movie to to a point where I can honestly, and of course there's tons more stuff to come out, but I had a lot of fun with this movie and I could see myself having this on like my top 10 of the year, my top 10 favorites. Um, now, I definitely understand the critical response to it to an extent. I understand the critical response. I can understand how a critic would come away from this and say, eh, there were a lot of problems with this movie. I agree that there's a lot of problems, but I also, I don't see how you can come away from this and say that it's an, a bad movie and say that overall, like, you wouldn't recommend it. Because, honestly, I think it's a lot of fun, and I think that has to count for something, you know? Um, so, l- let me let me start into specifics here. Positives. Um, Charlie Hunnam is actually surprisingly good. I mean, I I don't have I don't have much of a reference for him as an actor, but I, based on the trailers, I was just like, oh, he looks like he's gonna be just average, and he actually kind of surprised me. He wasn't, he he was decent in the role. Um, 
And some people, I, I, I heard somebody was saying like, oh, maybe Charlie Hunnam's not going to be a thing anymore. People aren't, he's not going to get cast anymore because this movie bombs. I honestly, I don't think he's the one who's going to suffer the most from this movie. I think it's going to be Guy Ritchie, the director, which I will get to Guy Ritchie in a minute. But um, there's tons of cool action in this movie. And the best thing I can say about this movie is it is such a cool and unique take on this mythology. I was so interested and invested in the way that they approach this and just the way that they took this story. It's a story that everybody knows, right? King Arthur pulls the sword out of the stone and becomes king, right? That that everybody knows that it's common, it's a common legend, it's a common story, right? Everybody knows that story, but they took it in such a unique direction, gave it such a cool spin that I was like into it. I was really into it. I was like, this is awesome. Um, so I was really invested in that good performances throughout Jude Law was pretty good. Um, I'm trying to remember all the other people in it, but it overall just a good on ensemble, um, cast. So yeah, I, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. The best parts I would definitely say are the action and, um, and the mythology, the way they approach the mythology. It's just so cool. Um, but let me get into, and honestly, it's just fun. It's just, it's a, it's very high energy. It's the, that's something, and this will kind of transition me into negatives as well. This movie, it, okay. I'm going to start negative, spin it back positive, and then continue into my negatives. Okay. The way that they do it, or the way this movie is done, it's, it's a Guy Ritchie movie through and through. And if you don't know any guy, Guy Ritchie did the, um, he did Man from Uncle, right? Is that what that movie's called? Um, with yeah. Alicia Vikander and um, Henry Cavill and uh, Archie Hammer. Arch, Archie Hammer, you're right. Um, so he he did that movie. He did the um, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, so he's got he's got that kind of frantic, quick, um, fast editing, fast um, camera movement style, right? That's his style. He loves that kind of thing, and he likes that kind of high-octane, um, upbeat, and kind of fast-paced, almost rock music in his movies. That's that's the kind of... It's almost like a punk rock style. That's what he's got. That's Guy Ritchie's style. And that was my worry going into this movie, that that kind of style does not mesh with um, this kind of... This time period, this kind of medieval story. Like, you wouldn't think that that would work with this. And that's something, this is a movie that is solely, people are going to come out of this based solely on taste. If you can, if you like that style, you're going to be fine in this movie for the most part. For the most part. If you can't deal with that style, you don't like that style, you don't like how his frantic camera movements, his frantic editing, the quick pace, the, the music, the choices, all this kind of stuff, then this is not the movie for you. You're not going to end up liking this movie. Um, but... What his style does for the positive is that it gives it this kind of upbeat tone and this this just it gives it that layer of fun that I keep mentioning. It, it makes this story that a lot of these myth um, these kind of mythological medieval kind of stories you think Lord of the Rings even even the great ones uh, Lord of the Rings uh, all these different kind of things. They're not very high energy. That's not how you would describe Lord of the Rings, especially the first one, right? That's not how you would... Even, even though those movies are, to some, and I wouldn't argue, some of the best of all time, right? 
you wouldn't describe them as high energy for the most part. This movie I would describe as high energy, and that's unique to this genre, to this time period that they're covering, or to this era kind of that they're covering. Um, so it was fascinating in that respect, and that, in my opinion, enhanced the movie and made it fun. But that editing and that style that he has, it, it honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I wasn't, I like the Robert Downey Jr. Um, um, Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, I'd not, I feel like I would like them more if it was directed by somebody else. I'm not the biggest Guy Ritchie fan. I thought Man From U.N.C.L.E. was okay. Um, and this movie, his style is very prevalent, and I'm not the biggest fan of his style. So, as a critic, I was just like, eh, you know, it, it's hard. I, I'm not the biggest fan of his style. But I do acknowledge that it added that energy that was so unique, and I was invested in the story because of it. So, it's interesting. I have, I'm of two minds with, when it comes to his style. Um, but at times it really did give me a headache just how quickly it's paced and things like that. Um, and that pacing also carries over to the way the story is written and some of the editing when it comes to the story. There, I think this movie is way too fast-paced. Not in a sense of like way too like choppy with the editing and things like that. It moves from plot point to plot point to plot point. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm just like, Whoa, 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 slow down. Can we take a second to breathe with each of these plot points? Take a beat. And I don't think we ever really do. It's like huge plot development to huge plot development to huge plot development. And I'm just like, okay, slow it down. You need to, this is a two hour long movie and it just flies by and you're just like, whoa, what? what? At times I'm just like, whoa, okay, wait, what? Um, and it's hard for me to explain that without spoiling things, but my biggest example, because it's the main point of the legend, so it's not spoiling anything, when he ends up pulling the sword from the stone, it I don't even know how long it in, is into the movie that it happens, but what how it, how it works in, in this movie is that this the sword ended up there through circumstances that I won't explain because they showed in the movie. The sword ends up like under the sea in the stone and slowly or not not even slowly all at once basically the ocean kind of goes down and reveals this the sword right and this evil king who is there for reasons which again watch the movie if you want to know um this evil king basically i guess they never show this basically says that every person that is of age needs to come and try to pull the sword and then, obviously, they have plans for whoever ends up pulling the sword. Now, that is never explained at all. It's basically just the, the sword is revealed. He, The king goes, why has the sword revealed itself now? And then 15 minutes later into the plot, we're get, given this thing of, oh, you haven't been tested yet? And all of a sudden, he's being shipped off to go test the sword. Um, when did we establish that people are being forced to test pulling out the sword? It doesn't, it, it just, there's a lot of those gaps where I'm just like, I feel like there was something cut out of the movie to make it go by quicker, but it was almost essential to the story. So again, I get why people have problems with this movie. Just all of, there's a lot of those moments where I'm just like, oh, when did that happen? Like, slow it down. But I cannot deny that I ultimately had a lot of fun watching this movie. So that is my biggest problem with the movie. And then also I will give the caveat of the of this Guy Ritchie style again. 
Um, so, all that being said, just because of, again, this is, you're, I'm going to say this word a billion times in this review, and I apologize. Fun. Just because of how much fun I had watching this movie, and ultimately, I couldn't justify, I knew this review, this movie was getting kind of poor reviews, but I can't justify giving this movie a negative review, because I did enjoy watching it so much. I'm giving this movie a 7 out of 10. I I really did like this movie. I think it is ultimately... I, recommend, I would recommend people go see this movie, and I think that it does not deserve, and it's unfortunate because I really actually kind of want to see a sequel just because I like want to see what else they do with this take on this classic story, you know? It, it's really unfortunate. I kind of, <laughs> it really does suck. Um, the only reason, this is a complete side note, the only reason I'm kind of happy that it, it is, ta- I'm not happy that's tanking, but y- y- the only positive in my mind is that maybe Disney will wake the heck up and not have Guy Ritchie direct the Aladdin movie. That was never that was never a fit from the start and I oh like I was it's the same problem as when I first saw the trailer for this movie. That style does not work with that kind of that genre. It just doesn't and I I just think it would be the same thing. I don't want to see a Guy Ritchie Aladdin live action movie. I don't. So I really hope that this shows people shows Disney that Guy Ritchie movies don't necessarily make bank. So maybe find a different director. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, Ozzy, are you at all interested in seeing this movie? Uh, I mean, nah. <laughs> Is it just because of the trailer? It's just the trailer just threw so much crap at the trailer. I'm just like, so is this a was this supposed to be like a rock aged King Arthur movie or exactly it's, it's such a flawed marketing campaign. And I guess everyone probably should be fired who work on this marketing campaign because it was, it was truly awful. It really was. And I, I guess I ultimately, I kind of understand why people didn't go to see it, but it's unfortunate because the movie is better than a marketing campaign, much better than the marketing campaign. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of sucks, but again, I'm kind of looking at the silver lining um, that maybe Guy Ritchie won't direct the Aladdin movie because I don't want to see that. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything, any other thoughts or do you want to move into the Walking Dead stuff? I mean, I don't really have any thoughts on the movie, Carlos, because I didn't see it. I know, but I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about the Aladdin situation? Do you do you, uh, do you want to see a Guy Ritchie Aladdin movie? I feel like he's going to try to put a lot of action in there, and I don't even think that they're going to make a live action Aladdin until... Until you just told me. So he's probably not going to get that. I mean, this is going to hurt a lot of people and especially the cast. I mean, you spent 140, you spent 140 million and you only made 15.4. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's not even like, I mean, this isn't even like a Terminator Genesis situation where they spend over a hundred million on the movie. Right. And then the movie makes 40 million here and you're just like, wow, that's a huge disappointment. But then you can still say, well, you know, they still have overseas money. It'll probably end up breaking even maybe maybe things will be all right with this movie. There is absolutely no way that this movie makes its money back, even with overseas money. There is no way. And that's crazy. This is this is a huge, huge bomb that's it's a, lost a lot of money i don't know it's hard to explain how much money that is that they lost Jeez. okay 
All right, let's. They're 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 pissed. Somebody's some heads are rolling over over there, man. Heads are rolling. All right, well, let's move on um, to the Walking Dead discussion. And I have, if you don't remember, or if you weren't following us at that point, I had a press conference where I announced that I would be binging the Walking Dead, and um, that. Also, in my press conference, if you recall, I said that I did not condone Ozzy's methods of getting me to watch The Walking Dead. I was uh, a senior at the time. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so I finally did it. it I, I We made that announcement in, like, November, and I was, like, slow binging it because, you know, I in middle school and all that stuff and i was like you know i'm just gonna take my time with this and i i warned everybody that i was gonna take my time with it so don't be surprised or annoyed um and i but i finally caught up um, all the way through season seven so we will be discussing it and uh, we're gonna be talking about things like this will contain spoilers to yes um i'll we'll be going full spoilers so if you have not caught up on the walking dead you're not up with it you want to watch it at some point but you haven't or maybe you just don't care, so then whatever. But we will be talking spoilers, so this is your official spoiler warning. Goodbye if you don't care or you haven't seen it yet and you want to. Alright, so I guess where I will start is I have written down my rankings of each season of The Walking Dead. Do you want to hear it, Ozzy? Let's hear it. Alright, and then maybe you can kind of respond with yours, I don't know. Um, maybe I put it on my computer because I do not see it on my... Okay, here it is. All right. So, number... You want me to start with number seven or number one? One. Okay. My number one season of The Walking Dead is season two. My number two season... I'll just... Okay. Yeah, I'll... Okay, so number two, I have season four. Number three, I have season one. Number four, I have season six. Number five, I have season three. Number six, I have season seven. And number seven, I have season five. Um, I got to tell you, I think you're in the minority when it comes to season five. I got to tell you. I well, got to tell you. I don't care because season five is garbage. Um, I hate season five. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, no, it's not. No, it's not. Actually, <clears throat> actually I, I've, had, I've actually talked to multiple people Um around here so maybe it's no because i'm in a college town so people are from everywhere so it's not even just a local thing but anyway i talked to multiple people that say after (laughs) to quote one person ryan conlin who was on the um bonus episode the latest bonus episode of the screenfellas podcast go check that out um ryan conlin told me that it kind of went down to quote him it kind of went downhill after the cannibal thing and i agree I would actually put the I would put the cannibal thing in that. I thought the cannibal situation in Terminus was very disappointing outcome. I was like, that's cannibals? That's where we're going with this, really? Um, but anyway, I, I thought every... Season 5 specifically, I think it gets better, but I can totally understand why somebody would see Season 5 and go, huh? I don't, I don't care anymore. Um, I really do not like Season 5. Actually, my bottom three, Season 5... Is, or season six, which is number five, season seven, and season five. I'm I'm very confident in those. Those three, I would not move. Now, once you get up there, I maybe would switch around two and four at the top. 
and I could see myself sitting around six and one in, in the middle there, but those bottom three locked in, those are that I'm very confident where those are. Okay, well, what do you think about let's just start with season seven. What do you think okay. about what do you think about the overall circumstance of season seven? And do you think you would have dropped the show? What? And see with when? During season seven. Like during the midpoint, because I know Miles dropped it, but he'll come back to yeah. it. Um, yeah. Um uh, no, I, I don't think because in my opinion, and again, I'm going to keep harping on this because uh, to me, and I know maybe people are going to just go, maybe I'm going to get tons of hate for this. Maybe I will. I don't know. But to me, it doesn't get as worse. It never is as worse as season five. Um, so I really, season seven was, I wouldn't describe it as bad. I would describe it as boring. I was very bored in season seven. Um Yes, we do have a lot of the same issues with season five, but I don't think it's to an extreme, um, especially with the whole we're going to focus on one character's perspective from one from this time. And then we're going to have a completely different episode just focusing on that character. OK, here's the thing. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't keep doing that. Um, think about, OK, we're going to compare it because. To a lot of people, and you you included, right? A lot of people would say that two of the best shows on TV are, and, and I know some people would definitely argue this on the Walking or argue against this on the Walking Dead side. But a lot of people, there are a lot of people who would say the best shows on TV are Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So think about how Game of Thrones operates, and I know it's a different show. You have a different, a lot more cast. You have a Probably a lot more of a budget on that show as well. I mean, Walking Dead's budget, I'm sure, is nothing to put your nose up at. But uh, it's just a different animal. But think about how they operate because they have a large number of characters as well. Probably more, but a large number. It's it's You can compare that. So they have each storyline. It's following the, a strict time. You're going in sequence. Every, every episode, you're going basically in sequence. This takes place this, this time. This takes place... At this around at least the same time or maybe right after and you go from storyline to storyline and they kind of bounce all over the place whenever I, the walking dead only did that once and i really loved it in i believe it's season four when they're all split up and they're all trying to get back together i really loved that aspect of it because i was like okay you can see where each one is and they're all working towards each other it's a goal and then they whenever they have situations where characters are split up, they decide to do it like this, where it's like one episode focuses on one group at a time, one person at a time. And I'm just like that you completely lose the momentum of each storyline. Every time you do that, I think that's the worst way to handle it. Um, when game of Thrones, think about when game of Thrones has ever done something like that. When is the one time that I can remember? They've probably done it maybe one, two, two or three more times more, but the one time that pops in my head when I think about when Game of Thrones did that is the battle for Castle Black, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that was a special occasion. That was like the big and big event. If you're going to do that, make it a big event. Don't make it just, okay, this is what this character was doing during this time. I don't care. It If you set up, especially if you do what Walking Dead sometimes do, do when they give you a cliffhanger, and then all of a sudden, the next episode, we're doing something completely different that is like, oh, this is what this character was doing. 
what? I don't care. Get me back to where we were in the story. Um, I, I think that season seven definitely struggled with that. And just like season five definitely struggled with that. Um, I think, I think the more along season seven went along though, it, it, it got better, but it still did that throughout. I, like, I agree uh, that it gets better, but like it still for me, does that. for me, for me, like when it came to, I think, it, I believe episode nine uh-huh. or ten, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one, but I mean, you started to see, you started to see a little things. It started to go back and forth between the hilltop, the kingdom, yeah, and Alexandria, yeah. and I like that. Oh, but there, yeah. I think there was an episode or two where they where they specifically stuck. Well, they they were they were specifically stuck in, um, in the Savior's mm-hmm. camp and in the Kingdom's camp. Yeah, I think. So I, I mean, I, I agree. I agree to that extent where I think that they should have divided it up. You have to bounce around. Should have showed, yeah, where they should have done that because I think and there was a huge disappointment. That, that's why I feel like people drop the show because you you come off as of, like I'm going to go ahead and say this is a bold statement. Probably the most explosive season premiere ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it was, it was, I mean, you're going off of a, you're starting off the season like that and then you completely change pace. I mean, of course, the people, you're, of course, you're going to lose some fans there. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about, okay, there's a couple things I want to talk about here. The first thing, is let, let's talk about because i i have a feeling i i kind of like i wasn't watching the show at the time so i had no idea what people were talking about but i think i've gathered and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but that people were very upset with the season six finale with the cliffhanger correct yeah okay were you upset number one and number two where do you think that they went wrong and where do you think that they lost fans with that cliffhanger or why do you think people got mad about it? Well, I'm gonna go ahead and say personally for me, I just I got tired of the cliffhangers. Yeah. Because okay. you're coming off of four cliffhanger, mm-hmm. five cliffhanger, then you're gonna end season six in a gonna end season six in a cliffhanger. It's at that point it's kind of you're it's become redundant at that point, okay? Mm-hmm. Um and on top of that, it's you you're waiting you're waiting to know who dies, okay? And it, you, you basically it's stretched out. It's stretched out for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna be frustrated. You're gonna be frustrated because it's 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 been cliffhanger after. Personally, for me, it was just cliffhanger, cliffhanger after cliffhanger. And um, you know, you, you got people who have read the comics who know who's gonna die. I mean, there was a twist, obviously, in there, but. You have people who have read the comics who are just like, okay, Glenn's gonna die, and you know it, it's unfortunate because you know you you'll go down the YouTube comments when you when you'll see that when you'll see people uh, they have that scene of Negan basically, yeah, you know, circling them, and you'll go down in the YouTube comments because you want to see you know what people are thinking of the scene. And you'll get spoilers. So it, you know, of course, yeah. So of course you're going to be frustrated. And you're going to be frustrated when you, get, when you have a cliffhanger like that. Because the show is based off of comic, based off of a comic book. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get these things and you're going to get frustrated. Um, do I think, do I, do, was it, was it a good payoff? 
I do believe it was a good payoff because I do I did like how they executed the season premiere. I did like it. I did like you know, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan does a, does a does an amazing job as Negan. Oh, I agree. You can. Uh, so I, the fact that he was kind of a negative in season seven to me was mind blowing because I'm just like he he is by far the best antagonist we've ever had on the show, and it is crazy how he basically stole uh, he i mean he basically stole the show and when it came to the season six finale he really did yeah. but it was just I, I just didn't like how it was executed towards the end yes um i think that's the key and i i will get into negan and the whole villain situation because i know that's something that you've gotten passionate about before about some people's responses to the villains on the show um but we'll get it we'll get into that in a second one thing I do think that you said that is so key is the execution. I think that is so important when it can't, comes to why people did not like and why I personally did not like the season six finale and even the season seven premiere at a, to a point. I think it takes a little bit too long for them to actually show who dies. But anyway, I'll get there. So the season six finale it's because of how it's executed. Because you have this situation where he's going and he starts to do the eeny, meeny, money mo thing, right? And the thing is, you get to a point and you're just like, oh, we're going to see who it is and then he's going to swing. But then they do this weird editing thing, right? And he's like, it's just his bats going to different people all over the place. And you're just like, what? This is literally just to confuse the audience. That's all they're editing it like this for. Just to confuse the audience and just to make it hard for you to tell who he's going to hit. And impossible for you to tell who he's going to hit. So, it's so it was a such a forced cliffhanger. It was a forced cliffhanger. If you're not... Look, if you wanted to do it like that, don't have him do eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and then have him bouncing all over the place. What? No, that was so annoying. I was just like, this is literally just to make people go, oh, what's going to happen? Well, the problem is you can't keep doing that to people. You can't keep making them. And this is where I think that uh, this is is the hard part that people, I think, need to realize. And this show needs to realize. The more you do cliffhangers, the more it seems like you don't trust your show. that That don't trust your show will draw people back in. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if you just trust that your show, your story is good enough to keep people coming back, then you don't need to do a clipping hanger every other or every season finale. Because you yeah, know I people think, are gonna come I back. Think, I think the I think the cliffhanger for season four was great. Okay. Okay. I think this cliffhanger for season four was great. The cliffhanger for season five I was annoyed with. I was like, oh God, okay, do we really need it? Whatever. And season six, I'm like, dude, this is redundant. And it is it's I'm glad that season seven really didn't end in a, in a cliffhanger. No, you know, it doesn't. I a, think they learned the yeah, lesson. We, yeah, we ended at a good place, and because they lost so much momentum. I mean, I, I like like I said. I mean, if if you're wanting to know more about the story and you want to learn more about the comics and, and what's coming, Comics Explained has a has a section of The Walking Dead where he explains The Walking Dead comics, and. They're preparing for this huge war, and I kind of know basically what's going to happen, but it, it sucks because they lost all that momentum for what's about to come. Yeah, I know? agree. And I feel, like, I feel like season eight is going to be a very explosive season. I think they've said that. 
yeah, so it's uh, it's unfortunate that they've lost a, like a large amount of, of following. I mean, they gained they gained some of it back, of course. And and I like I like I told you over the phone, season the second half of season seven is is a lot better. Yeah. But it's just they need to stop ending in cliffhangers, which I hope again in season eight they they don't do it again. And also. Um, they need it. They need to do what they need to do a time jump. They really do. It's ridiculous. Carl, Carl is not twelve or whatever. He's 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 going to college actually, I believe. So <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, he's a grown. He. I'm just like, there has been barely any time jumps, and you were holding him back in season yeah. one. So like, what this kind of ridiculous? That, that's all. That's just TV, though. I mean, they're just. I mean, they. <laughs> has walking dead maybe i just haven't been paying attention but have they been specific on how much time has passed during these things i think it's been like a year or so maybe but like i don't know you know like and you see and you see judith aging yeah she looks like she went from a baby to like a three-year-old and i'm just like how is this possible yeah when it's cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger so you know that there's really been you you can tell that it's only been probably yeah. like a months, you know, but it's not nothing major. Yeah, I I think they just if they're if they're saying okay, it's been a couple months or it's been eight months or whatever, don't and stop. You don't need to be just have it be vague and don't have um, seasons happen days after other seasons because then you run into problems. Um, I mean, think about again to bring up Game of Thrones. We don't know how much time has passed throughout all these shows. Or throughout these seasons, and that has benefited the show because all of these kids, these Stark kids, have aged a lot, a lot, and we just don't know how much time has passed, so we can't go, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense why they're aging so much. They've never told us how much time has passed. Um, so it's just, you, you need to, if you're telling us how much time, stop. No, don't. Um, just let it, let us just kind of assume that it's been years, you know? Um, all right, let, let's talk about the villains because I know you've been very passionate about some, you, you think that people criticize the show when there's no villain. And then you think people criticize the show when there is a villain. So what's your, uh, what's your stance on the walking dead and its history with its villains? I don't know what people want. I really don't. People say, people will go on to say, Oh, it's just a zombie show. And all they do is kill walkers and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, throwing a villain. Oh my gosh, the villain is so dumb. Like all he wants to do is, I'm like, what the hell do you want? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of like the whole Marvel situation, where they want, they want to, they want to, they want crossovers. You know what I mean? They want all these things, and then when it happens, they still complain. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like with, it's kind of like with Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah. Me, I'm excited that Iron Man's going to be in freaking Spider-Man: Homecoming. I'm excited. You know. Um, Spider-Man being, I mean, uh, Iron Man being a, a mentor to Peter Parker, to me, that's crazy. That's awesome. And that's, and that's a crossover. You know, we know what, we know what Iron Man is doing in the time that Spider-Man is, you know, doing his thing, you know? Mm-hmm. People are complaining about that. And I'm just like, you were legit complaining when phase two was going, when phase three was going on, I believe, that they're like, why wasn't Captain America fighting with Iron Man, or why wasn't the Avengers going on when Thor: The Dark World was happening? So it's the same thing I feel about with The Walking Dead. What do you want? What do you want? And I like 
to me, I understand a bit of the troubles with the governor. I do. But with Negan, I, I do like Negan. I think Negan is the best villain on the show. Um, and um, I think I think the Saviors pose the, by far the, the greatest threat yeah. that they've ever faced. The thing with the governor is that he's basically just pure evil, but you kind of also get... You sympathize with you, him. You, well, to an extent, you get why he thinks that this is the way that the world just is, and this is the way that the world... It's, it's, he has this demented idea of how this is how he can unite the world, basically, under fear of him. That's how he wants to unite the world. And it's interesting. Um, but you want to hear my take on the villain situation? I think the show is at its best when yeah. it has a main antagonist. But I don't think that they know how to handle an antagonist. It's like they get a great villain that has already basically been established for them because of the comics, right? That's fine. I mean, all of our favorite things are based on pre-existing materials, and they're taking these characters and importing them. And that's great. They get these characters, and then it's almost like the show doesn't know how to use them. We get these things, and the thing is, you have... Yes, I get that you have to add kind of layers to your villains, and you need to have us sympathize with them. The thing is, I don't need entire episodes devoted to my villains. I don't need entire episodes showing me this is what the daily life of the villain is. I don't know. <laughs> Stop trying to get me to sympathize with this villain. Stop trying to get me... And they didn't really do that with the government. There were definitely episodes where it all took place at the Savior's Camp. And you're just like, okay, what are we doing here? Why are we following... And But almost they did it through the, through the eyes of one of our protagonists. Like it was through Daryl. Or it was through um, Eugene. Which... Well, Eugene... Um, <laughs> so they kind of did it better in season seven, but I was still like, I don't know if I need an entire episode of the Savior's Camp. <laughs> like, um, I don't think that they necessarily know how to handle their villains. Um, and there were entire episodes, and again, this goes back to the thing of just focusing on one character or one group of characters. There are entire episodes without the villain. Come on. Like, this is a 16-episode season. This is not... Which is a little too long, let's be honest. Maybe 10 episodes would tighten it up and it would solve a lot of these issues if they shortened up the seasons. But you know I'm a huge proponent for shorter seasons on television. And just in general. Um, so, I, I just... To me, the governor is the main example, obviously. Where they just... They kept trying to make... Like, it was like he was a great villain where he was just evil and then but he was also a villain where he was just trying to defend his people but then he's also like he's just a good guy you know um and it's just they didn't know what to do with the governor at all they really didn't there were times when i was like he's a great villain and there's times where i'm like so he's an okay guy and then the, and then all of a sudden he's a great villain again. i'm like what like this is, it's just a disaster they did not know what to do with the governor and i think there's still a little bit of that with negan where it's not the character They've done a great job with the character. It's just they don't know when to show him. They don't know when to have him pop up. It's when he does pop up, it's great. But I'm just like, what? no, like have him pop up a little more maybe. Or don't have an entire episode focused on him. Just have him used well, <laughs> please. I think he's used great in the premiere. Uh, and other than the fact that it takes forever for them to actually decide or actually show who's going to die, which, come on, we wait an entire, I mean, for people who are watching it live, you wait an entire summer or whatever it is 
and then you have to wait another 30 minutes before you show them who dies. Come on. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so that's that's my take on the villain situation is that they have great villains. They don't know what to do with them. It's like it's a kid at a candy shop, you know? It's like, oh, it, they get all this candy and they're like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's like you finally have what you want and you finally have what you need. And it's just like, what do I do with it now? You know, it's that moment of like, uh, uh, wh- where do I go? Where do I go with this? I feel like that's The Walking Dead writers <laughs> sometimes. It's crazy because Robert Kirkman is an amazing, he, he's the one who wrote The Walking Dead comics. And mm-hmm. The Walking Dead comics are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't know what kind of goes on in the, in the production room, you know? <laughs> I just, I don't. Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating because, like, again, I mean, um... Uh, season seven was a little bit of a disappointment because I've been, I was scared. I was, I was dreading Negan. I was legit dreading Negan yeah. since season four. I was like, uh, I, I don't want this guy here. I really don't. <laughs> and we, now we have him, and it's disappointing to mm-hmm. see what they've kind of done with this character. I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan though, does a, does an amazing job when Negan kills abraham when he kills glenn it's insane when he kills spencer it's insane when i got a question what do you think about the season seven finale um other than the fact that we had a um knights of the veil style deus ex machina type thing i thought it was really good um i didn't like the only the only major issue other than I mean, like I said, the Day of Sex Machina, them showing up to the last possible second. That's just a classic TV movie, just cinematic kind of trope, right? Whatever. You're just going to deal with that. My only mate real issue with the season seven finale is the um, Sasha flashback dream things. I didn't that, need that, that, that at was, all. That was that was a huge that was a huge negative because yeah we were getting what, what all this. That? <laughs> I have no idea. We were getting like this like this huge. We we're getting like this huge showdown. Yeah. And then every time we came back from a commercial break, we we're just getting Sasha. Just yeah. Jamming to music, and just we got flashbacks of Abraham, and I'm just like, Abraham, I miss you. But can you not be in the premiere right now? There's some <laughs> stuff about to go down. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. Um, I really hated yeah, those was... parts, but yeah. <laughs> Other than that, the twists. There were a lot of twists in that finale, and I really liked it. Um, when the garbage people betrayed them, I was just like, "Oh crap, that sucks." I was like, I literally, I think I audibly said, "No, no." <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like that. I probably literally said that. So, um, yeah. So they definitely get, had a, some great twists in there. Um, I love yeah. the. I think I, I absolutely love the scene where Negan is talking to Rick, and he and he's saying they basically he's gonna kill Carl, and he's gonna take his hands, and it's just it's just a great reminder of season one. Like, and I'm sorry, of season. The premiere of season yeah, seven. Yeah. Where we see him being so afraid, you know, because mm-hmm. I think Andrew Lincoln, I think Andrew Lincoln for sure, um, that whole scene in the premiere, by the way, where he where he might be forced to cut off uh, Carl's Oh, it's hand. great. I, I love Andrew Lincoln. And again, he just shows how good of an actor he is again in this scene where he's just, 
he was just saying like nothing is gonna stop me like you're already dead in my head in my head i'm just like damn like, this is this is so intense crap that's mm-hmm. about to go down like i'm excited so i really love seeing rick back um and being that powerhouse yeah. that he is and being the leader that he is and you know what that the the thing that i loved the, that's probably my favorite moment in the premiere of season seven is that moment when negan's like you're gonna cut off carl's hands or cut off his arm and then he stops him and you know why and this just might be the <laughs> the baptist in me but <laughs> you know why it was a biblical callback it really was he's about to basically sacrifice his son in a way i mean obviously not kill him but it, to in, to an extent and then he's like no, no no you don't have to i'm i'm having mercy on you i just want to see if you would do it <laughs> basically that's what happens and it's like it's such an it's it's such a kind of like oh so go sacrifice your only son type thing and and then an angel comes and is like no you don't have to do it. We just want to see you do it. It's like, jeez. Um, um, and it's almost, it's kind of psychological because it's like, number one, it, I mean, it's a great, number one, great character just writing for Negan because it's like, that's such a baller move because you're going to be like, no, I'm going to show you mercy. So now you have the fear, you put the fear of God in him, basically, and you show him that basically the only reason your son has an arm is because I had mercy on you. Um, that's just, that's great writing for your character. And in a way for anyone who got, who understood that kind of reference there, it kind of relates Negan to a godlike figure and it makes him even more scary. So I love, that's my favorite moment in the premiere. And it's one of my, probably one of my favorite moments on the show, to be honest, is when Negan's yeah, like, you're going to cut off his arm and then he stops him. That's just a great moment. So. It's it's a great moment. I think it's definitely well acted, and oh, yeah. the fact that he just can—I mean, we've seen Rick take on this arrogance. He has a, sort of an arrogance to him, and he has a and he and every right to basically he has the right to be arrogant because um, at the same time he's he's been through all this stuff. Yeah, you know, so it's it's crazy that he broke him down like that. Oh yeah. Um, it is crazy, but I absolutely love the season finale besides the Sasha stuff. Yeah, um, and like you mentioned before, the callbacks to the premiere um, with that scene is just, it's so good. So, yeah. the one And, okay, small thing that annoyed me, small thing that annoyed me in the finale, though, um, was them, like, being like, oh, you lost somebody important, and it's like, oh, they're trying to hint that um, Michonne died. Just... Okay, this is true of most TV, just in general, but especially on this show, if they don't show them dying, they're not dead. So why fake it? <laughs> why why try to trick us, quote unquote, into thinking somebody is dead if we know everybody knows that if they do not show them dying, they're not dead. So why even try? <laughs> Uh, that's just the one thing. I was just like, okay. I as soon as like we hear the scream and everyone's like, oh, Michonne's like, she's not dead. We didn't. I see knew it she wasn't dead. Everybody knew she wasn't dead. dead. I'm like, come on. It's uh, yeah. It's just one of those things. I'm like, why are you even trying to trick us at this point? We know that you would show us show us her death if she died. Uh, but anyway, that's just a small thing. All right, last thing. Other than Rick, favorite character. Uh, 
Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go ahead and say Daryl. Okay. Yeah. Because Daryl, Daryl definitely has some uh, a lot of character development from, from season from season one. Oh yeah. Uh, fun fact. Fun fact. Carlos didn't like Daryl actually in season one. Oh no. But yeah. Yeah, you you didn't like him. I remember you telling me. <laughs> yeah, um, but he's definitely gotten better. And um, they, they that's this show. And to me, this is the like the last overarching point before I say my favorite character. AMC. I mean, at this point, you cannot deny AMC's power when it comes to um, character development. I mean, I for some reason Ozzy doesn't watch or never watched or he watched some of but doesn't like breaking bad but breaking bad is probably the greatest show in history when it comes to character development especially for its protagonist um and then they're doing it again with better call saul and now this show i mean walking dead is obviously ozzy's mentioned a billion times but it's true the character development on the show the characterization on the show is impeccable so AMC knows what they're doing at this. I mean, you can't deny AMC the whoever's working over there. They know what they're doing when it comes to developing their characters. But anyway, my favorite character, I like Daryl. That's a good choice. But I'm going to say one that I think based on what I, to be honest, I never listened to your guys' Walking Dead recaps because I didn't watch the show and I was going to watch it slash started watching it. So I didn't listen to them. But based on when I was editing and I hear little bits and pieces when I was editing it. Based on that, I think Enrique would ma- definitely disagree with me on this. Carl is one of my favorite characters. I really like Carl. I really like Carl too. I he's the I don't understand what he wants from Carl. I, I don't. <laughs> um, Carl is such a well developed character, yeah. and I think Chandler Riggs does a pretty good job. The fact that Enrique doesn't like I don't I don't know if he doesn't like his performance or whatever, but it's just like. At this point, you're 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 in a you're in a zombie apocalypse, and you have to live with the fact that you killed your mom, and you live with that every day, and your father depends on you for so much. Yeah, you know, and I think I think he does an amazing job. I really do like Carl as a character. I hated him in season four. I I think we all kind of were were I don't think we all liked him in season four because he was just um, I mean we had that episode where basically you know he was doing his own thing and he was trying to prove to Rick that he didn't need him anymore but clearly we see that he still needs Rick we, he still needs his guidance and I I personally I think he's grown a lot since season four so oh, I definitely he he went from one of my most hated characters to one of my favorite characters he's he's my number third he's my number three yeah the only honestly and i i guess i disagree with you on it to an extent the only time i ever hated carl was when he pointed the gun at rick um that one time when it was like he i think maybe he just found out that he had killed shane or something like that I don't remember, but it it was, like, way back then, and, like, he pointed a gun at Rick, and that was, like, the one moment I was like, why you, what? This is, what? This is, like, the most irrational way to respond to this, but <laughs> it, that was the only time I ever hated Carl. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's definitely uh, least favorite character, real quick. Least favorite character, uh, it's between Andrea 
and currently right now Rosita. Okay. So Andrea all-time Rosita currently. That's fair. Um, Andrea would definitely be an all-time contender. Um, okay. I'm going to say my least favorite. And it's it's a least favorite as a function of how much how prevalent they are on the show. Because if I was just going least favorite just based on like just character decision things like that and even if there were a smaller role on the show then you know i would probably say eugene or gabriel and i know me and ozzy have had discussions on that i we both agree on eugene correct yes but we disagree on gabriel to an extent um and this one is going to be an unpopular opinion my least favorite character especially put in the context of how much this character is on the show you know it's coming, Ozzy. It's Carol. I hate Carol. Kill Carol. You're <laughs> Kill ridiculous. Carol. You are absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And you need to reevaluate your life because <laughs> she is an amazing character. She has one of the best character arcs in the entire show. Until they like, randomly something... erased it this no, past the, season. The, look, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't blame you for not liking like what they did to her character when it came to the when it came to season six and throughout season seven. But she's back. She's basically back. And she's like they realized that they made a mistake. That's why she's out there fighting and she was out there shooting them. We'll see. Uh, I I think that she's back. I I like I I think they made a mistake. I think they made a mistake with what the hell they did with Carol because that that's one of the biggest shows negatives is what they did with Carol because Carol had one of the best arcs and you see it and she didn't have a huge part in season one in season one but you saw her get abused by her husband. You saw her you know. You saw her become this strong woman, and she she got so powerful to the point where she basically took out the the, the people in Terminus by herself. She yeah. freed the group by herself. I still don't. I, I've so, never been a fan, Carol fan, so that's my problem. You're, it's you're ridiculous. It's absolutely it, ridiculous. Yeah, I just I don't know. I've never been a fan of Carol. I don't think that any of her development has ever felt really natural. It just kind of like, okay, Carol randomly became this BA person. Like it just happens. I'm just, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. She took, if you, if you, if you paid attention, Carlos, I did. I just didn't work for she, me. I saw, I think we saw, we saw the same things. I just, for some reason it didn't sit well with me and I don't know why it just didn't sit well. I didn't what do you think, think of Morgan. Do you like Morgan? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I think uh, he was I, annoying. Yeah, when, but there's no kill thing. But yeah, and then just, he kind of went back on it, and but that one felt natural. Where it's just like, um, because I can. He went insane, and then he met a guy who kind of centered him out, and that made sense. And he went to the other extreme, and now I mean, he's in a world where basically it was impossible, and everybody kept telling him it was impossible, and it's disappointing to see him kind of accept that it was impossible to live like that with no killing, but. You understand, I mean, I agree, you have to agree with everybody that it was impossible to, for him to live like that, so it made sense, you know? Um, so yeah. I, I I, get his character situation right now, but... Alright, Ozzy, we are pretty long right now, so let's... You want to sign us out? Uh, yeah, man, where can people find you on social media? Alright, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cheery456, and you can also follow... 
Screen follows all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, we'll be having tons more YouTube comment or content. Jeez, <laughs> comments. Content we'll also be having comments. Yes, we'll also be having comments. I'm sure we will, and probably about the 80s. Um, so definitely be checking that stuff out. And um, yeah, if, you ha- if you're wondering where recommendations are, uh, we... A lot of the times we just go too long and then we're like, well, there's no time for recommendations. So sorry. But you know what? I gave two movies a positive review in this episode. So you have recommendations right there. Go see them. Yeah, man. Help King Arthur make back its 140. So (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Go uh, check it out. Um, I probably won't. So go for me. Anyways, you can find me on social media at Castro Ozzy. That's on Twitter, and you can follow me on my on my um, Snapchat at Ozzy three twenty. And again, guys, if you have any topics, any films, or anything, uh, any fun topics that involve film or TV, please feel free to email me at ozzy.caster at screenphotos.com. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also, like Carlos said, check us out on YouTube as we will be having content for the summer. So check that out. Guys, this is Screenfellas. Fellas.